What is up, cybersecurity and cryptocurrency family? Hope everybody's doing great. Today is August the 20th of 2019. This is episode number 82 of the Cybersecurity and Cryptocurrency Podcast. I'm your host, Eric English. All the views and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely my opinions and do not reflect that of my employer. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at CyberCryptoGuy, so follow me on there as well. So I got some uh, some interesting stuff today that uh, that came up at work, kind of an interesting challenge that I didn't have an answer for right off the bat, so I'll dive into that a little bit. Also going to talk about on the cybersecurity side of things, uh, Facebook and their new privacy tool that they've released. Also going to talk about the remote desktop vulnerabilities uh, Microsoft finally patched those. Also going to touch on a cPanel vulnerability for... These are very common with web hosts. They give you access to a cPanel. So apparently there's a, a pretty big backdoor in that stuff. So we'll talk about that as well. And the last thing in cyber, we'll talk about the the Apple folks who uh, accidentally unpatched with their latest patch of iOS 12.3. I'm sorry, 12.4. When they patched 12.4, it opened up a vulnerability that they had already patched previously. So that opened the phone up to jailbreaks. So we'll talk about that as well. We're also going to talk about a very coordinated ransomware attack that hit 23 Texas governments. So that was a pretty big coordinated cyber attack there. Uh, Hit quite a few companies there, or excuse me, governments here in Texas. So that was a pretty big one. On the cryptocurrency side of things, we're going to talk a little bit about BitMEX. That's the site that I told you about that you can do margin trading on. There are other sites for margin trading, not just BitMEX, but specifically I I recommended that one. and, And here's some more news about them that they have banned access to other countries. So we'll talk about that. So apparently you can only use BitMEX if you're in a very specific group of countries. So it's pretty interesting stuff there. Also going to talk about the crypto prices, of course. That's a never-ending topic. All right, so to kick things off, we'll start with, uh, oh yeah, too, by the way, my uh, sidebar topic from, from work today was my boss challenged me and said, hey, what are we going to do to continue moving our cybersecurity program forward without spending any money? So that was a, that was a pretty tough question. So I've got some ideas, and I'll share those with you guys as well coming up. All right, so on the cybersecurity side of things, uh, Microsoft has finally patched some of their remote desktop stuff. They also patched a uh, remote desktop Android app uh, that was made by Microsoft, so there were some vulnerabilities in that as well. So if you use the remote desktop app from Microsoft on your Android device, go out there and, and get that patch as well. That was a pretty big one. All in correlation with the other RDP flaws as well, mostly relating to Blue Keep. All right, some other privacy-related news with Facebook. I thought this was really thought-provoking because I don't know if I would trust this. So Facebook released what they're calling a privacy tool that lets you view and basically disassociate your Facebook identity from third-party websites and also disassociate their Facebook identity from apps sharing data uh, with other third-party websites. So the biggest question here is, do you trust Facebook to create their own privacy tool for you to use? Do you trust that it's actually doing what? What it says it's doing basically allows you to 
wipe all of your information from third parties and disassociate all your information from third parties and all the various apps that could have had access. So if you remove access from those apps, it doesn't necessarily go out there and and delete the information that had already been sent to those apps. It basically just disconnects it so it can no longer read up-to-date information. So there's still some residual information out there in whatever apps you gave access to uh, your Facebook account. So all this kind of stemmed from Cambridge Analytica, of course, There was a massive privacy issue there. But this new feature is now apparently live in the Facebook app. It's called Off Facebook Activity, and you can find it in the settings menu, apparently. So if this actually works, uh, I think this is great, uh, especially for all the, you know, people try an app or whatever, and you give it access to your Facebook account temporarily just to give it a try, then you you realize that it's stupid and you hate it. You uninstall it from your phone and you disconnect it from your Facebook. Well, that's great, but there's still data about you at that third party, at that app uh, developer on their servers. So how do you delete that information? And so apparently, at least based on this article here on the Hacker News, that's that's what you're able to now control and even delete. So if this is true and you can trust it, this is uh, this is actually pretty cool. But you can think about all those quizzes and things that people take on Facebook, all those, you know, who's your unicorn lover or whatever. It's just, it's crazy stuff. And you allow access to your, your Facebook account to these, you know, quizzes and other games and all this kind of stuff. And you can imagine how much of your data is just floating around out there on all these third parties' websites. And even though you may have disconnected it from your Facebook account, your data Data still sits out there, so I'd highly recommend going out and checking out this this new app, or it's not a new app, it's a new feature in the Facebook app called Off Facebook Activity. So go check that out and clear all that data that those third parties have about you and about your profile. Remove that from their systems. All right, some other news here about cPanel, which is a very, very popular platform for web hosts. They'll typically give you access to a cPanel when you buy, you know, let's say you buy a a web server with X amount of hard drive space and so much RAM and blah, blah, blah. And they give you access to that system via a cPanel. And it's basically just a Linux Uh, GUI that you go into and you can manage all the stuff relating to that server that you now have access to. Well, apparently there was a pretty big backdoor that hackers had planted into the web admin portion of cPanel. So apparently this was secretly implanted by an unknown hacker who successfully managed to inject a backdoor at some point in the program's build. Somehow he was also able to make this persistent through the various releases of web admin. So they go on to say that there's 3 million downloads of web admin per year and blah, blah, blah. And essentially the, the vulnerability is a remote code execution vulnerability, which if exploited correctly could give them full access to everything at that particular web host or anything that you have access to on your particular cPanel. So they're saying that it's there's also one relating to password reset, the password reset page. It allows a remote unauthenticated attacker to execute arbitrary commands with root privileges. And all they had to do was add a simple pipe command, the pipe key on your keyboard. They had to put that in the old password field. So pretty crazy stuff there, cPanel. Don't really hear much about that anymore, but uh, hey, it's a pretty big vulnerability. So they have fixed it. 
So if you use that, go out there and get that patch and get that updated. Shodan shows that there's 218,000 internet-exposed instances of web admin out there right now. So uh, they're all in the U.S., France, Germany, and a few other countries. So it's definitely out there. So go get the new latest and greatest update if you use cPanel and web admin. All right, some other news here about Apple iOS. I thought this was really funny. So iOS 12.4 came out, and it unpatched a vulnerability that was patched in 12.3. And because that vulnerability was unpatched in 12.4, they were able to, hackers were able to jailbreak 12.4 super quickly, super easily. So the vulnerability specifically is, essentially it allows an application to execute arbitrary code as the system. And it targets, of course, Apple devices. And apparently when you execute this code as the system itself, you can jailbreak the device. And also it leaves the user vulnerable to to hackers to do other things to them as well, not just jailbreak the device. Because once you do jailbreak the device, you can get in and do pretty much anything because it's essentially Linux or Unix running on the back end there. So if you know what you're doing, you can get in there and wreak utter havoc on somebody so as of right now i haven't seen a patch from apple yet but i would suspect it's it's coming very quickly there'll probably be a 12.4.1 i'm assuming Uh, so we'll keep an eye out for that over the next few weeks all right jumping over to cryptocurrency bitmex So BitMEX already doesn't allow many countries to use their services. And I thought this was really crazy because they banned even more countries. So they added Bermuda, Hong Kong, and Sakili's to the list of banned countries that can no longer access BitMEX. What's interesting is BitMEX is based in (laughs) Sakili's. And it has, apparently it has arms in Bermuda and Hong Kong as well. But apparently people in those countries can't use their service. thought that was really weird. Um, but if you're doing margin trading, there are other services out there aside from BitMEX. Uh, Bitfinex is another one out there. Uh, it does a lot of the exact same stuff there. So there are other alternatives out there to BitMEX. Uh, I follow BitMEX because I've used it in the past and I do like their platform. It's pretty cool. Uh, you just have to make sure that you... Protect your identity and get on a VPN before you can access it. But now they've blocked a few more countries. Makes me wonder if they'll get to the point where you can only do it from like one country. And then if if that's the case, what's the point of even having it? So anyway, I thought that was interesting. But there are other alternatives for margin trading out there. So don't just focus on BitMEX. Bitfinex is one of the other ones I've used recently. Oh, another quick sidebar in cryptocurrency. Ethereum, the hard fork called Istanbul, is coming and they've already approved six new changes and this is all again prior to the ethereum 2.0 launch of next year so they're going to apparently fix the gas prices for ethereum when you send an ethereum transaction you have to give it a lot of gas to make it go through sometimes and so they're trying to fix all those issues as well and there's some other fixes and tweaks in those six new changes but those have been approved and the istanbul hard fork will will commence Uh, they haven't said when this hard fork is supposed to happen i'm still looking for that information haven't seen it yet and maybe they're just going to call this you know part of the ethereum 2.0 there is some speculation i'm seeing here now it's 2020 is what they're speculating the first quarter of 2020 so that'll be in conjunction with ethereum 2.0 so anyway interesting stuff there 
I'll post that in the show notes if you want to read about all the various changes there. But the biggest change is obviously going from proof of work to proof of stake. And again, proof of stake is where you're holding on to coins in your wallet, and they call that staking, whereas proof of work is where you're actually mining and trying to earn rewards through mining. One thing I missed on the cybersecurity side of things, I missed the uh, article about the uh, Texas government agencies, the 23 Texas government agencies that were this coordinated ransomware attack hit those guys. And so they, what's... What kind of sucks is they can't really say much in this article about who was affected, which entities were affected. Uh, but they're basically saying 23 entities were impacted as of Tuesday this week. But they did say that 25% of the impacted entities had moved from the response and assessment phase to remediation and recovery. So 25% is not a lot that are already remediating and recovering. So that leaves a, a lot more to be done, it sounds like, to get all that stuff fixed. Yeah, and all they're really saying is it was just smaller local governments. They're not giving a whole lot of details about it. But talk about a crazy coordinated attack. 23 entities just in Texas, and they all got ransomware pretty much on the same day. So that's uh, that's pretty interesting stuff there. All right, back to the back to the crypto side of things. The crypto prices have kind of made a recovery here since last podcast. Bitcoin's up to ten thousand seven hundred and eighty-seven right now. So that's certainly up from where it was the other day. Ethereum is at one hundred and ninety-seven. Bitcoin Cash is at three sixteen. So we're seeing a little bit of an uptick there. So that's good to see the market bouncing right back there. Oh, also to kind of sidebar. Uh, if you haven't done this already, it's basically free money, but you can go out to coinbase.com slash earn, and they have very, very simple videos and stuff that you can watch, and you can earn you know, 10, 20, 30 bucks in crypto just by watching these little videos and, and taking a one-question quiz at the end. I'm not sponsored by any of these people. I don't do sponsors on this show, but I thought that was pretty cool, and it's free money, so they're not asking for any personal information. I mean, if you've got an account with them, obviously they've got your personal information, but the quizzes are super easy. They just tell you about what that particular cryptocurrency is, what it does, why it's there, yada, 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 so you can kind of learn about what it does. But it's free money. If you haven't gone out there, and done that they've got uh probably six or eight different cryptos you can get you know up to 50 bucks on some of them but uh ethereum uh 0x ripple stellar um bat token there's a couple others too i think zcash and eos are out there as well uh, and even dai so hey it's free money so go check that out coinbase.com slash earn again i don't get any kind of kickback on that at all i'm just hopefully giving out some free money there and that's that's one thing I, I don't typically mention on the show, but I don't do commercials on the show. I don't do any kind of sponsors on the show because I believe that I, you know, in order to have a an unbiased opinion, I choose not to have any sponsors on the show and I choose not to play any advertisements that, you know, might sway my opinion one way or the other. So I do all this just for fun. This is, I love cybersecurity. I love cryptocurrency. I'm just super passionate about them. And, and that's why I do this podcast. I don't do it for money. Uh, Coinbase, another news here. Coinbase acquired another, uh, another company. It's an institutional business of wallet and custody services. The company is called Zappo, I guess, X-A-P-O, and they bought it for $55 million. Coinbase already does have their own custody services, so this would just be supplementing those custody services, I would presume. But Coinbase just seems to be gobbling everybody up there, and they got yet another one. 
All right, so that's all I really have on the news side of things. Um, I did want to touch on personal challenge that I got at work uh, from my boss, and he basically said, how do we continue moving our cybersecurity program forward? How do we continue making progress and getting better without spending any money or little or no money? And I scratched my head for a while because that's a that's a very tough question. You know, typically you got to implement some sort of tools or you know whatever it is. So I scratched my head for a while and I came up with a few things, uh, just kind of off the cuff. But he liked it, so I thought that was cool. One of those things is, and I know it sounds cheesy, but essentially starting with your policies and and making those the the base framework of where your security program is going to get to. And so if you plan on implementing, let's say, you know, longer passwords, for example, you would update your policy first, then communicate that to the employee base, and then go and make the change. And so a password, you know, length change or a complexity change in passwords, that can be done for free with Active Directory. So that's one thing you can do. But again, going back to the policies, it's always good to, you know, make the policies kind of the baseline of where you want your security program to be. And then as you're going to implement new things, obviously you want to update that policy, push that policy out to all of the end users so they're aware of the upcoming changes, and then go ahead and make your security enhancements there. So so that's one way uh, that I gave my boss and said, hey, maybe we can you know, look at revitalizing a lot of our policies and making sure that they're in line with our cybersecurity goals as a company and making sure that we are you know, putting in there the things that are going to help us get to the next level. So make sure that we're putting in the small changes that'll get us to the bigger changes later on down the road. So another one I gave him was... And this kind of goes right in line with, you know, tweaking your policies and whatnot, but making sure that you've got all of your documentation up to where it needs to be and make sure it's all up to par with everything that you do as far as, you know, incident response goes. Make sure all that stuff is up to date. Make sure that your business continuity plans are up to date. Make sure that all of those things are well documented. They're all up to date. Make sure that they've got all of the new tools that you might be using or the new controls that you've implemented. Make sure all of those things are just extremely well documented and in a place where everybody can get to it uh, if they needed to. Another big one that I thought of was implementing change control. So people wouldn't really think of change control as being that big of a cybersecurity thing. But if you stop and think about it, if administrators are just making willy-nilly changes on the firewall and they accidentally open it up to, you know, some, they open up all the ports on the firewall, for example. That would be pretty dumb, but I'm sure it's happened before. And that would just leave your entire network wide open, right? So with a change control process in place, any changes that people make to any of the systems need to be well documented, communicated to everybody on the the change committee, make sure everybody's on board before any of those changes happen. That way, if something does break, everybody knows what broke it and why it broke it, and everybody's on board and everybody's on the same page there. So change control doesn't always come up as a cybersecurity thing, but misconfigurations in IT infrastructure are massive these days, and that can leave massive security holes in your environment. So change control was the other one there. I'm trying to think of some of the other ones I did. I guess to kind of go along with change control and the misconfigurations, do some threat hunting. You know, that's free. You can 
look through all of your systems that you have, kind of audit the configs, do some basic testing on those configs, make sure that, you know, the ports that are open are actually open and the ports that are closed are actually closed, run some in-map scans, you know, whatever you want to do. If you have a vulnerability scanner, you know, use that to find other loopholes and make sure that your systems are actually configured the way that you think they are. And they're not just being exposed like all these S3 buckets and Mongo databases out there. So that's certainly an easy and and free way to help continue moving your cybersecurity program forward. And I think the last one that I had was, I think it's fairly generic, but cybersecurity training is always something that's, you know, it's an ongoing thing, right? But not just for the end users, but also for the IT folks, right? They have the most access. And if something happens to them, if they're just careless a little bit, they have the most access and hackers could get that much more information. So you do have to train your IT guys as well, or at least go through, you know, the various threats and make sure that the processes that they're going through to, you know, make changes. And when they're configuring a device, make sure that they're accessing that device securely, all kinds of good stuff like that. But that's where all that training stuff kind of comes in. You say, hey, if you're going to make changes to this firewall remotely, well, you can't really do that. You need to get on the VPN first, then you can go and make changes to this firewall. That way you have a log of, hey, this guy got on the VPN. We can see he then accessed the firewall. We know who made the change. So that's good for logging and accountability standpoint. But also you don't want to have those firewall web interfaces exposed on the web and just let hackers sit there and brute force away at you. That's not good either. So anyway, that's where all that training kind of comes in there as well, making sure that everybody's trained up on what they're supposed to be doing, how they're supposed to be making changes, put it through change control, make sure everybody's on board, make sure all of those change control processes are also documented in your policies and whatnot. And yeah, that should help at least keep your cybersecurity program moving without really spending any money at all, really. But threat hunting is certainly a huge one, too. Just continue looking around. Always be curious. Always be questioning and making sure that things are are really set up the way that you think they are. I've gone through quite a bit of threat hunting, and I found quite a bit of things that I was hoping I wouldn't find, but I'm glad I did. I just kind of went through and was just randomly checking various systems, and I found quite a few misconfigurations. So it's certainly worth the time to just poke around, see what you you can find and then make some tweaks if you need to. So anyway, I hope that helps somebody else out there that's maybe doesn't have the huge budget, but you want to continue making things more secure and moving your cybersecurity program forward. So hopefully with that, that'll help you. You don't have to spend any money on it. All right, folks, that's all I've got for today. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at CyberCryptoGuy, at CyberCryptoGuy on Twitter. Check me out on there. I retweet a bunch of the articles that we talk about here on the show. Thanks for listening and have a great week.